0: where you can also learn more about working with me. Hi, this is Executive Coach Mary Lee Gannon, and this is episode number six of the Still Space podcast, 10 Ways You Are Killing Your Executive Presence. Clients come to me because they want me to help them build their leadership efficacy and executive presence, and the truth is most of you already have it, It's just clouded over with all of the messaging that you lay on top of it, the coverings that you put over your brilliance, those notes in your head that are telling you, I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not likable enough, I'm not like him, I'm not like her, and this just gets in the way, and so we have to unravel that. If you enter a room with 15 leaders, one of them will stand out to you. And I understand that you want that to be you. Of course you do. She will have an air of confidence that people notice. Others will stop talking and listen to him when he speaks. That person will have an overall mindful decorum that exudes the message, I belong here. Happiness comes when we feel we belong. There is a lot of research that supports this. Conversely, when we feel we don't belong, that's when we're unhappy. So if you're showing up for a meeting, a presentation, or entering a conversation with people, and you don't feel you belong there, it's very hard for you to show up with the presence that gets noticed. Executive presence is a blending of mindfulness, competencies, and delivery that gives the impression that this person deserves notice and can be effective. Can executive presence be developed? Yes, if the person has a foundation of the three things that I talk about all the time. Number one, self-awareness. Number two, the ability to self-regulate. And number three, self-acceptance. Mindfulness around executive presence takes very high emotional intelligence in the area of self-regulation. Because this is where that message in your head wants to insert itself in your behavior and say, oh, don't risk, don't reach out, don't speak up, you won't be received well you won't fit in you won't belong we have to get rid of that we have to unravel that and that's what my clients and I work very heavily on so that you can show up as you authentically are and step into the place that is yours so what are those 10 ways that you're killing your executive presence because we start with not what you need to do let's start with what we want you to stop doing and number 1 You don't demonstrate an even temperament. Emotional leaders rarely advance because they can't be predicted. They're too emotional. And decisions made in the emotion phase are never solid and sound because you're making them from a position of fear, emotion. We want you to be in the thought phase. You know, the thoughts lead to emotions, lead to actions. We want you to be heavily in the thought phase, trusting your gut on what it feels like, but not acting out of a fearful emotion. Learn to manage emotions in the unpredictable moment by taking a step back and a very deep breath and asking yourself, what's going on with me here? You probably, my clients for sure, have heard me talk about the Pause Cafe, and that's where you, P, take a very long pause, just a pause for a moment here, and A, ask yourself, what is going on with me? What am I focusing on here? Because if you can identify what it is that you're focusing on, now you have power over what is going on in your head, and you can change the lens on what you're focusing on. If you know what that is before your emotions and the ego take over, don't be quick to give a biased opinion that may not be politically correct. That's an opinion from an emotional perspective. If you feel threatened, don't act out. Your insecurities will show. Allow yourself the space to pause and take that deep breath. And the pause is a very useful tool that also can draw attention to you, positive attention, that gives you a moment to center yourself and then when you speak, people are interested. I'm sure you've heard people delivering a speech or in a conversation where they just stop and then everybody is waiting to hear what it is they have to say. We work very heavily on speech cadence analysis. So do you use the pause? Do you have varying tones? Do you have a good... Speech cadence, very important as you're leading because this is part of your presence. Number two, you don't accept yourself with all your limitations. Most conflict, wars, bad behavior come from a need to be right. Think about that. Think about the last argument you had. Was it basically between people one of whom needed to be right more than the other one needed to be right. And then one usually just backs down and walks away or both go away in a huff. That need to be right instead of the need to get it right is rooted in fear of being judged. And then, of course, if we're judged poorly, then we don't belong and we are back in the same space of I can't show up the way I want to. So in the still space... Give yourself a break. Become a third-party observer, a mindful observer of your own behavior, your body language, your emotions. When you get uptight, where does that sit in your body? That's self-awareness. Is it in your chest? Is it in your throat? Is it in your head? Because if you can notice that, then you can intentionally relax those areas going to take a deep breath in and I'm just going to relax my shoulders. I'm going to relax my neck. Become a third party observer of yourself. What do others see when you lash out or withdraw? Think about it from the outside perspective. A fly on the wall looking at you. Mindfulness is you paying attention to yourself and your behavior without judgment from an outside perspective not in yourself, but outside. What is going on there? What are other people seeing? And then mindfully paying attention to your emotions so that you may regulate them. That's power. Many corporations profile for this. They profile for self-awareness. They hire for self-awareness because they know those people are coachable. Highly coachable people usually excel very quickly because they learn quickly. They have a hunger to learn and they have humility. They don't need to be right. They want to get it right. Practice noticing your actions and their effect on people. When you doubt yourself, remember, I may not be perfect, but I'm still awesome at, insert what it is that you're good at. Nobody needs to be perfect. We need you to want to get it right more than you want to be right. Number three, you use uptalk. We've all heard it. You're having a conversation with someone and you aren't sure if the person is making a statement or asking a question. You either went on a walk or I went on a walk. That uptalk at the end of the sentence shows insecurity. The other person doesn't know (laughs) whether they need to answer a question or just listen. Uptalk projects lack of confidence that is seeking affirmation. Tape record yourself on the next telephone conversation that you have. Now, you're not taping the other person, which you would have to have their consent to do. You're taping only yourself. You can use your phone to do that. Just record yourself speaking. Listen to hear if you use Uptalk. Listen when you use Uptalk. Being self-aware of your use of uptalk and your speech cadence will help you gain the confidence that you're looking for to show up as your true self. Number four, you don't speak with certainty. Let's go back to the same statement. I either went for a walk or I went for a walk. I went for a walk. I went for a walk. Watch a YouTube video of someone that you like giving a presentation. Could be a national leader, could be someone you are you just admire for their the way that they can command authority. Make a list of the traits you admire: the cadence, tone, body language, pauses, sincerity. Then use your cell phone again to record yourself having a conversation. Are you noticing the same things in yourself? All of this is building self-awareness. Listen as if you were a prospective hiring manager. Would you hire yourself? Ask others for feedback. Allow yourself to be coached. Know how to stand your ground without emotion. Be matter of fact, but have humility. You can be certain, but still invite feedback. What have I missed? That curiosity will serve you. Number five, you aren't known for getting it done this is where perfectionism comes into play some people wear it like a badge of honor i will tell you it is the tripwire to failure perfectionism kills careers it moves you farther away from connecting with people and your efficacy it can destroy your career Don't overwork that document or resume thinking that one more go-around will make it better. Send it out. Don't wait for the condition to be perfect. That's an excuse. Perfectionism is an excuse. Put that on a post-it note on your monitor. Perfectionism is an excuse. Your reputation precedes you. How would you classify your leadership impact? Are you a change agent? Are you a turnaround specialist? Are you a gentle giant? A closer, a visionary, make sure reliable is among the characteristics that people use to describe you. Done is better than perfect. Number six, you don't dress sharply for the culture. Different work cultures dictate different attire. This is not shallow. This is a fact. People have eyes and they look and they see you and they judge you up in two seconds. Observe your culture. What do people wear in the office? Dress accordingly. Update your wardrobe. You deserve it. Clothing should be appropriate. It should be clean, pressed, well-coordinated, not overly accessorized. It doesn't have to be brand new. It can be classic, yet not old. One mistake I see very often in people who get promoted is that they dress and buy their clothes as they did when they were in the job below the one they now have. You deserve to step into the space that you belong. Go to a store where they sell clothes that the people in your office wear. Buy yourself something that you like, love it, enjoy it. Don't be labeled as the school mom, the player, the 90s reject. You deserve very nice clothing, very sharp accessories. Limit the accessories, but dress for your culture and for your role. Don't play small. You've earned the right to be there. Play big. Play for yourself. Number seven. You don't develop good relationships across departments and know how to engage key stakeholders. This is really important. It seems a little complicated, but think clearly about this. People get into new roles, they're happy to be there, and they see their world as the people that report to them. Not so. You need to be able to work interdepartmentally in order to advance whatever it is that you have to do. That means you might have to meet with the leaders of partnering departments other organizations, make appointments with them. We go through this very succinctly with my clients. And there are certain questions that you want to ask them to build alignment so that they understand that you care about them, you want their input, that you understand where they're coming from. Ask them, if you were me, what would you do in my new role? Very important to build those alliances with key stakeholders. Good leaders know this. They know they need to create alignment with people throughout the organization and beyond. And winning favor from key early adopters makes for better success when implementing any kind of chains. Make a list of people others respect, people that you respect, and that's who you start with. Understand what is important to them for collaboration. Number eight, you don't command attention. You should be able to hold a room. You should be able to walk into a room with confidence, with a presence, with an air of sophistication that people are intrigued by and want to be around. Be deliberate. Watch The Wolf of Wall Street or Breakfast at Tiffany's. You will get examples of individuals who know how to be notable. Study them. When you speak, people should pay attention. Start with how you want to be remembered. Practice at a meeting and build to that audience. Know who your audience is. Know you are one person that has everything in yourself right now to do exactly what needs to be done. Know what you're going to say. Practice it. Tell a story around that. Be able to command that attention. Number nine, you don't know when to enter conversation to make your point. And We see this all the time, and I'm sure you've felt it. All of us have. You're standing around in a conversation, and you're wondering if you you should contribute and what it is that you have to say and if it's going to be important enough or if you're going to look silly. There's the ego again flying in front of your eyes telling you, oh, play small, play it safe. It's not really worth it to risk here. So just don't do anything. And then you leave feeling victimized you know, or flawed. Right, victimized or flawed, there's something wrong with me or there's something wrong with them, there's nothing wrong with you and there is nothing wrong with them, we want to position you to have the presence to step into that conversation and say something right or wrong, but say it. Say what's on your mind. Say what you think might bring value. Say what you're curious about. Getting into that conversation and making your point is who you are. If you had nothing to offer, you wouldn't be paying attention to the conversation. Eye contact and deep listening are precursors for impeccable timing. Look people in the eye. They require you to set your internal messaging aside. That ego voice that's telling you, don't, don't risk. Set it aside and focus strictly on the other person. I call it being in the other person's zone. You become curious to everything about them, listening and asking questions without voicing an opinion. You don't have to have an opinion. Just ask questions. Well, what's your biggest challenge right now? How are you dealing with that? You can't learn if you can't have humility. To have humility, you must be curious about yourself and about others, generally, The last person in a group to speak has the most to say because they've listened the longest and the most. When you aren't posturing to make a point, you are able to weigh in from the 30,000 foot level and not posture yourself from the five foot perspective. We've all been at meetings when, you know, the person that has to be heard, they're always talking or saying something and in the back of your mind you're saying, oh, would you please stop talking? That's not positioning yourself with executive presence. That's positioning yourself to be heard, which stereotypes you as a problem. Instead, instead, listen to what everybody has to say and then weigh in with a question that you might have that hasn't been asked or something that you've observed. Really very engaging behavior. Number 10, you don't anticipate Challenges or opportunities. Leaders must anticipate. You are in a position to see things that other people can't because of your brilliance. Nobody looks at the world the same way that you do. So you might see what you're working on now, you see what your team is working on, but it's your job as the leader to look out past that and know what's coming down the road. Where will this team be in a year? Where will the industry be within a year? Where will leadership within the company be within a year? And how will you have to adjust to that? That ability to anticipate challenges and the ability to anticipate opportunities then gives you a head start out of the gate against your competition. Really key point. So let's run through these again, just to make sure we understand what they are. Ten ways you are killing your executive presence. One, you don't demonstrate an even temperament. Number two, you don't accept yourself with all your limitations. Number three, you use up uptalk. Number four, you don't speak with certainty. Number five, you aren't known for getting it done. Number six, you don't dress sharply for the culture. Number seven, you don't develop good relationships across departments and know how to engage key stakeholders. Number eight, you don't command attention. Number nine, you don't know when to enter a conversation to make your point. And number 10, you don't anticipate challenges or opportunities. Where do we start to address these in the still space? Giving ourselves a pause moment. To sit quietly and say, is my ego at play here? What's in the way here? How do I want to show up? What's going on with me? What am I focusing on? How can I change the lens so that I can show up as the person that I want to be? And we've all made mistakes. I remember early in a management role that I had, I was called into the CEO's office for my opinion on something. I wasn't prepared for that meeting. It was just off the cuff. And I also wasn't proud of how I reacted. I got very threatened by what he was asking me. He wanted to know how much time I needed to raise. Ten million dollars. We were in a capital campaign, and I wasn't sure how long it was going to take. And there, my ego rose right up and said, Oh, Mary Lee, he's going to be disappointed. You're going to lose your job. Your four children that you're the single parent of are going to end up in social services. All of this head, tr- head trash that it inserts itself when we aren't certain about our place or our presence and i got very reactive i, I was emotional and i said oh i i i don't i, I can't address that right now I, I don't know and i was not prepared now I'm much more mindful of a leader and if a question like that comes my way I know that if I don't know something in the moment I know that I can respond by saying I'm not certain right now. Give me a day. Let me figure the pace of this and I will get back to you by the end of the day tomorrow so that I have something exact to give you. When we can do that, when we can take that moment for ourselves, when we can be the priority to ourselves first, that shows yourself and the other person that you have presence, that you have confidence, that you know who you are, that you know you belong where you are, and you don't show up outside of yourself with behaviors that you regret, with emotions that you don't want to feel. And in that moment, when I reacted through the lens of, I'm going to lose my job and not be able to support my children, I could have shifted that lens immediately to, I notice that I'm feeling threatened here. I feel a little uncomfortable. Let me change the thought. Start with the thought, which will lead to a different emotion. Change that thought to, of course, he is the leader of this $260 million operation. Of course, he wants to know what he can count on. He deserves that. He depends on me to give him that answer, and I want to give him a purposeful one. I just don't have it right now. I know that I can have it in a day. And that's what I'll tell him. And any sound leader is going to accept that. So be true to who you are. Don't let your ego hijack your good reason. That need to be right, need to be perfect that I had in that moment robbed me of my executive presence. It robbed me of my good reason. It robbed me of feeling good about what I am very capable of doing robbed me of who I am." Don't allow that. You control the thought that leads to the emotion that leads to your behavior and we take command of that control in the still space. I very much enjoyed being with you today and I'm wishing you thoughtful presence in the still space today. I'm glad you were with me today And I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and get any of my free publications at my website, MaryLeeGannon.com, where you can also learn more about working with me.